Are you a sexy, indulgent musician suffering from consistent long hours, crippling self-doubt, and constant disappointment? Well, do we have a show for you. Welcome to Sex, Drugs, and Disappointment, a bi-weekly deep dive into what it takes to be a healthy and successful musician in the modern industry. My name is Melody Kaiser. And I'm Dustin Williams. And we are both full-time musicians and creative entrepreneurs. And today we are discussing the importance of becoming a well-rounded musician. Yeah. That's a hard word for me to say. <laughs> I always end up saying well-wounded. well Well-wounded. <laughs> um, yeah, some agree that it's uh, more important to be... Um, a master of one thing rather than kind of a jack of all trades. Um, but in today's industry, you kind of have to be able to do a lot of stuff, um, just a, to save money. (laughs) And also just, um, you know, you have a little more control over, over what you're putting out. Um, and plus it's just kind of nice to know like how things work. Um, so if you want to give direction on something as well, then you have a better idea of how to do it. Yeah. I mean, I think in today's world, it's a lot easier to be well-rounded than it was back in the day. Yeah. Because like technology has just made stuff easier. Right. And, <laughs> and it's so, easier to like learn stuff too, because you can right. just go on YouTube and like, oh, how do you change a string on my bass? You know, I mean, it's a lot more easy. Yeah. And I mean, some of the stuff we're going to talk about today is seemingly like, why would, <laughs> you know, why would you need to know that? Mm-hmm. But it's just kind of generally important, like, um, when you're a professional musician or especially when you're like on tour and stuff, there's a lot of um, just general knowledge things that are good to kind of know about. Yeah, you for know? sure. Like, for sure. Um, so, yeah, let's just jump in. So um, one thing that I think is really important to um, to kind of just understand on the general music side is multiple instruments. Yeah. Right. So um, my main instrument's guitar. Yours is bass. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think one of the the best instruments to just have like a general knowledge about, you don't have to be like the best player of it, but it really helps to know piano. Um, Just because piano is like so linear, like you can understand music theory. Makes a lot more sense. Really easily on piano. Yeah. And so for um, kind of the way that I think about Uh, I use piano a lot when I'm teaching somebody um, just kind of even on guitar, right? Because guitar is a really weird instrument or bass. I mean, Mm. they're kind of the same idea Um, or I guess most stringed instruments really now that I'm thinking. Um, It's hard when you're trying to understand like the notes across the neck. Yeah. Um, just because they're not, they're kind of all over the place. Yeah. You can play. (laughs) They're not, but it seems (laughs) that way, you know, when you're learning. Um, and so kind of the way that I'll tell people, um, is think about each individual string as a piano. That's kind of the yeah. way that I visualize yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. So I've like, heard that before. You have like six pianos on mm-hmm. a guitar. You have four yeah. pianos on a bass. Right. Um, and then that way the concept kind of makes a little bit more sense yeah. than yeah. just trying to like navigate the notes of the guitar neck. Cause it's a lot. It is. For most people. Yeah. I mean, at you, first. you can find the same note in like four different places on a guitar. You only get one of that note on a piano. So right. like you get different octaves, like obviously, but th- this, the exact same note, you're, you know, finding that on like six different places on your instrument can be a lot. It's like, oh shit. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot too. Like 
I really struggled when I was trying to learn um, like how to read sheet music for guitar with mm. that because, you know, it doesn't really, not all sheet music will tell you which position to start in. So no, I'll start yeah. in like the open position and mm -hmm. then I realize like, oh, well, that wouldn't be the best way to play that. I need to go up here so that it's more yeah. comfortable. I just had that, sorry to interrupt, but no, I, I just good. had that with a student yesterday um, who's learning guitar and um, I was... Uh, I gave her a tab to work on over the week and she was like, yeah, you know, I, I hate to say it, but I didn't really practice much because I forgot like how to read tab and I'm not really sure what to do. And um, I was like, yeah, I mean, you're not alone. <laughs> a lot of people have this problem because basically like you were saying, like it'll show you, like, let's say you're doing um, an A chord, right? But it, the way it's uh, uh, written out is like you have open A and then you have like your octave on the um, G string at right. the second fret, right? Yeah. So you're hitting those two. Um, and then the other second fret on the B string and then the open E string like come after it, like mm -hmm. in succession. Like unless so you know- So you're picking it. Yeah, yeah like yeah. finger picking, exactly, yeah, yeah. right? Okay, so yeah. unless you know that, like you have no, you're like, you're going to be hopping your fingers around. For sure. Without realizing you don't need to do that and you can just leave your hand there. Yeah. You know? I mean, and that's one thing that I've kind of struggled- I, I probably struggled with it myself, but I, it was so long ago when I was learning to read tabs and stuff and sheet music too. Um, but each way to learn guitar or bass, whatever, has its own benefits. And I feel mm -hmm. like none of them are perfect. No. There needs to be a new way to teach guitar <laughs> stuff. That, yeah. Because like with tabs, it doesn't tell you which finger to use. With sheet music, it doesn't tell you which right. finger to use to play those notes. Mm -hmm. So... Or which string, like yeah. you said earlier. So it's mm -hmm. like um, most people don't know what to do. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then chord charts, they sometimes will tell you which finger to use, but then you're not understanding the picking pattern right? because it's not written out. Mm -hmm. So like it's, yeah, none of them are perfect. In yeah. a perfect world, you would have sheet music on top, mm -hmm. tab on bottom, yep. chord chart on, above the sheet music. Yeah, And then sure. that way you're getting all of the information that mm -hmm. you need. But nobody takes the time to do that. So. No. Well, and it's funny too, because like, uh, like in my in the tab program that I use, um, Guitar Pro, um, there is actually a, a button you can press um, that you can select which fingers to use. So it'll tell you which fingers you're supposed to use. But that's just so tedious. So that's yeah. another reason people aren't going to do it because it just takes for freaking ever. Yeah, and that's one thing I would say too. If you, um, well, really any instrument, I would get familiar with a software that can notate for you. So like, mm. um, I'm trying to remember, I think it was called Finale, but that one's kind of gotten overshadowed in my opinion by MuseScore. Because mm -hmm. um, MuseScore can do pretty much anything. It can do drum notation, mm -hmm. it can do sheet music, it can do tabs. Does Finale not do all that too? Probably. Okay. I haven't used Finale in like so long because mm. MuseScore is just like available online. Oh, yeah. Right. Uh, for free. Yeah. Finale may be available online, but mm -hmm. I just stopped using it. So yeah. check out both of them and kind of weigh which one. But, you know, understanding how to notate stuff can be really helpful, not only to just like make some extra money, maybe for like, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Transcribing. Yeah. But right. um you know, it can just help you kind of communicate, say that you have a band and you have a new band member or something and they need all of your songs charted out. Mm -hmm. Like having a knowledge of that can really make their learning curve 
way better. Oh yeah. You for know, sure. like, yeah. um, especially if they're not super great at like ear training and stuff like that, like being able to know how to transcribe stuff can be really helpful. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, just on the, on the topic of multi, multi-instrumentalism, um, like, so as you st- said earlier, bass is my main instrument. I also play guitar. Um, I don't really play a lot of piano. So that is actually one thing I want to be better at for the reasons you've listed. Um, but I, I do, um, dabble in drums as well. Um, I, I would not say I'm a good drummer, but I can hold time and there's some beats I can do that like, you know, they're fun, cool, like break beats or something. Um, so it's more of a muscle memory thing at that point. But, um, learning the drums, at least on a, on a basic level has actually been really helpful for me. And one of the main reasons besides the obvious of like, oh, I'm a bass player. So now I can like understand the drums more. I mean, that's a big one right there already. Just like it helps me lock in. That said, um, there was a, several years ago, um, the sagas were working on a new album and we were, um, we had South by Southwest on the books and we had a, a drummer come in, um, to play for us. And I sent him the demos of all the stuff we'd been recording and I didn't really play much drums at the time. So there was like this one part of the song that I had programmed into the demo where like the ride cymbal, the toms, the hi-hats, and like the snare were all hitting at the same time. Because I'm just not thinking about it. I'm just like, oh, it sounds cool. Octopus drummer. <laughs> yeah. So the drummer like sends me a message and he's like, yeah, man, this stuff is really cool. Quick question though, like, um, which part do you want me to play on this? Because this is physically impossible. <laughs> I was like, Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, you yeah, know, I've and, done stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. For sure. and, and, you know, because you just kind of get lost in the creativity and it's fine. It's really not a big deal if you do that. But I think what's important is that if you do not know that much about the instrument, that you try to learn as much as you can. So that way you can communicate ideas and you can, you know, create demos you can send off to people. Um, and, and plus, when you start to um, have more, uh, like instances where you're bringing in people and they're recording on your stuff. Um, as we've mentioned before, like studio time is expensive and, and, um, rehearsal time. If you, if you don't have a place to rehearse, so you're renting out a spot that's expensive too. And it's time consuming and whatnot. So it's really just a matter of like, kind of like efficiency. Um, and you'll start to realize too, from a compositional standpoint, like how much more interesting it is when you know how the instrument works, because, um, you can use that to your advantage and say, well, okay, drums, can't really do this thing that I want to do, but what other percussion instrument does? And you kind of start to rabbit hole down and and learn about all this other stuff that's like, oh, like that's why, you know, this alternative rock record is so good because it's not just drums, guitar, bass, but there's also like congas in there and like a djembe and all this other stuff you wouldn't normally think about um, until you had a better understanding of of instruments and and, um, composition. And, you know, obviously just, just to throw this out there, like, you know, look at people like Paul McCartney or Prince or, um, you know, I mean, insert famous musician. It's so many of them are multi-instrumentalists. Um, and I, to me, their music reflects that because they just have a much keener understanding of how to bring things together. Um, so I would say you don't need to be an expert on all of them, obviously, right? You don't even need to be an expert on one. Um, but if you have one that you can focus on and then at least just kind of dive a little bit into the others, you'll thank yourself for it later for sure. Yeah. And I would say challenge yourself too to learn a monophonic instrument as well. 
um, just because it teaches you so much about like having to frame chords and mm. kind of stuff like that. Mm, yeah. I think that's cool. That's actually really funny you say that because for me, learning a polyphonic instrument was the game changer because really? I started on monophonic. So I yeah. started on, on doing that and then being able to play something that could do chords and not sound gross um, yeah. in the lower register definitely helped me. So it's kind of like whatever you play, try to do the opposite of maybe. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Pretty much because I started on guitar, but then I played saxophone in school um, and I was kind of learning them at the same time. Like I played mm. guitar for a couple years before I was in middle school because I started when I was nine on guitar. But, you know, same idea, basically. Just try to learn something that's polyphonic and monophonic because they have totally different approaches. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's talk about learning important. how to solo like on a saxophone where yeah. like you have to think several bars ahead because there's only so much lung capacity. So right. like you have to plan your shit. You yeah. Know? I for mean, that's sure. why they're so good. Sax solos are always so good for that yeah. reason. You it's know? very, yeah, totally different. You have to actually understand, even though you can't play chords, you have to understand chords mm -hmm. super well um, to solo on a monophonic instrument. Um, and then I would say too, like this isn't necessarily like an instrumental thing, but like with like home recording mm -hmm. becoming, well, I guess it's already here, but yeah. it continues to become more um, popular. Yeah, I guess. Easier um, to do. Yeah, exactly. Um, understanding like DAWs, which are like the di digital audio workstations. So like Ableton or GarageBand even mm -hmm. or Logic or yep. um, Pro Tools, like under pick one <laughs> to specialize in. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can try them all, but they're kind of expensive. Yeah. Um, Start I would, with a free one. Yeah, I would say like try GarageBand first if you're completely new to it. And then GarageBand's made by Apple. And then um, if you like GarageBand and you want to buy a better version, uh, GarageBand and Logic are basically the same thing. Mm -hmm. Logic's just like the fancier paid version. Yep. Um, Ableton is really, really good. I hear, I'm not super familiar with it, but I know a lot of people that use it um, primarily and it's really good for like um, EDM. Yeah, or, I was going to say sampling style. Yeah, like samples and programming and that kind of stuff. Um, and then I use Pro Tools. And the only reason I even use that is because I bought it from somebody that mm -hmm. was trying to get rid of it. Mm -hmm. um, but like Pro Tools is, um, it's challenging. It's yeah, a challenging one. It was the first. Sure one I think I don't know if I remember correctly I think it came in the late 90s and it's just gotten better and better but it um yeah it's not super user-friendly un until yeah. you get yeah. it you yeah, know for but sure. I felt that way about Ableton too because mm -hmm. I had the free version of Ableton and like I didn't even know where to start yeah totally like yeah. um and it can be super confusing at first to figure out uh, a doll like if, if you guys have ever used like photoshop it reminds me of that level of like mm. confusion. Yeah, <laughs> like, very gritty. Yeah, very, like, e yeah. yeah. everything's mm -hmm. like super particular. So just like getting an understanding of that, like there's pretty, I would assume pretty much in every city there's a class for it. Oh, or for you sure. can just go online, I mean, YouTube, YouTube, yeah. you YouTube University, do, man. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know you better than we know you. So right. whichever would be more effective for you. But I definitely recommend learning from somebody else on that one instead of trying to figure it out all yourself because yeah. it's it's kind of hard to to navigate it first well and, and the thing is and i don't know for sure so 
correct me if I'm wrong, um, but uh, from what I've been told, Pro Tools is Pro Tools is is kind of designed um, with SSL consoles in mind. So like most people who use Pro Tools are probably going to be using one of those giant SSL consoles, which is, uh, for those who don't know, just those big-ass mixing desks you see in like studios or pictures of studios. So the really, you know, multi-million dollar studios will have those and um, Pro Tools was kind of designed to, to work in tandem with them. Um, whereas like Logic um, is designed to kind of do it all in the box so like that's why the some of the functions are a little bit different and and for pro tools you, like you said you kind of probably need a little bit more professional instruction because it it's not just like plug and play you know yeah i mean and now that i know because i i don't have like a console i just have like one of the controllers because mm -hmm. pro tools usually comes with at least the one that i have it has like it's a the avid 003 controller right. yeah so it kind of looks like a mixing desk but mm -hmm. it really is just like a super fancy remote control yeah that's right. the way i would think about mm -hmm. it so like it it does everything that you can click with your mouse but it just is right there mm -hmm. so um but yeah you know just understanding all of that stuff um can be really really helpful um and then i would say too like even deeper than like just the basic doll like mm -hmm. understanding like how to get sounds the way you want them, how to yeah. um, like, and, and that can be, that's, could be a whole episode in itself. Oh, but like, it will one day for sure. Yeah. Um, but like understanding like the basics of like EQ. Yep. Or Because EQ is huge. Like I would say 99% of the mixing notes that I would give to producer or like mixing engineers, mm -hmm. like when, before I knew anything about anything were like volume stuff right. yeah. and I was like ah I, like I feel like the drums need to be louder I feel like the vocals need to be louder I feel like this needs to go down a little bit and like you know by the time you turn everything up you're everything's clipping and like sounds like shit <laughs> and, like, yeah. I'm just like well yeah. I didn't, louder, louder. yeah I was like I didn't know so like most of those problems can be fixed with EQ yes like, and so, and, and panning yes, yes panning is huge like yes. in, in mixing like you have i think about honestly like knowing where to place stuff mm -hmm. in the pan spectrum yeah it's like way more important than just volume yeah so like understanding that like you know what you what the ear interprets in a mono or even a stereo mix um as just like, oh, I can't hear that like I want to hear it. Mm -hmm. Volume doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to get to where you want it. Right. So like understanding that kind of stuff can be really, really helpful. Um, I honestly don't understand that much about mastering myself. I, <laughs> I mean, know that, that it's usually like, it's totally separate engineer too. Yeah. So it's a whole thing. Yeah. I know. Because um, I've always used Steve Rawls mm -hmm. from he's very good. Uh, Real to Real for my mixing and mastering. But he's he considers himself better at mastering because um, mm. that's kind of his thing he's mm. told me but um yeah i don't really i haven't really dove into that myself like i i need to learn more about that mm -hmm. um because it seems there's a lot more to it i know you can do like those auto master programs and stuff but like and when you're on a budget an, that you know go for yeah that, I guess. yeah yeah for but sure. for like an engineer there's a lot to mastering because mm -hmm. um, he's tried to explain it to me before and I just kind of like zoned out. 
I'm like, wow, that sounds like a lot. I'm like, I'm like well, I'll learn about that later. Today is not the day for yeah. that. But yeah, so like anything to do with like home recording that you can learn would be really, really helpful. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to touch on, on something you were talking about with the EQ and panning thing, because um, a lot of that is actually really applicable to the live scenario too. And most of you, well, I don't know, a good bit of you listening um, maybe in bands or have been in bands. So you're, you know, you're, most people are going to be more experienced with, with performing live or rehearsing live before they are experienced with a studio because that's just, you know, playing an instrument with other people. Right. So, um, like, uh, one thing that'll happen <laughs> at, uh, you know, at the school, at our job where we're, we're teaching kids, you know, about, you know, being in a band and, and how to, you know, play together and stuff. Um, they do this every time at a live show, they can't hear themselves. And the first thing they do is just crank the volume. And right. it's like, dude. So, you know, I've tried so many times to explain like, you know, EQ is really the, the biggest thing. And you really don't need to be loud to be heard if everyone's on the same page. And that's the biggest issue, I think, with being in a live scenario versus a studio is like everyone has to be on the same page of how hard they should be playing, you know, at least for a drummer, um, what their EQ should be on their amps, you know. Yeah, kind of we've even had that problem because the band that Dustin and I play in, we're a trio, right? Hey Dreamer mm -hmm. is a trio. So like we played the last show that we played, the sound men and everybody in the audience was like, I feel like the bass needs to come down a little bit in volume. Mm -hmm. And I was like, no, don't yeah. cut it down. Yeah. I was like, just like cut out some of the bass frequency. Yeah. And that's I was like, that was it. That was literally it. Yeah. They were like, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, cause you know, I mean, it, volume is not going to fix everything. No. Like it, yeah. the volume wasn't the problem. And in a trio, like, I need to be able to have some bass. Like, right. I, for sure. I didn't want it to just be like me and drums. Like yeah, that was yeah. going to sound terrible. <laughs> so yeah. I was just like, you know, it was just that little EQ problem. And that was like, you know, a professional situation that wasn't yeah. even like learning like little kids. That was like right. a real. We like, have to perform. We have a job to do like for right. sure. And like, you know, at least for, for my amp, and, and I know this is the case for a lot of guitar amps, like the more you turn your volume down, especially if it's a tube amp, um, the less, like you lose everything. You lose volume, but you also lose like sonic clarity. You lose like all the EQ stuff that you're doing, like starts to lose its effect. Yeah, because so, you're not hitting the tubes as hard. Exactly, right. Yeah. So you have to, um, like the in the scenario we're talking about, we were playing in a big boomy ass like brewery. So it's like brick and glass. So in those environments, um, you know, bass frequencies um, have a tendency to, to be really overbearing, especially low mid bass frequencies. So that's all we did was we just cut out some of the sub on my on my amp by turning literally the bass knob down and it changed everything. Yeah. So I was all for shaking the rafters personally, but <laughs> I, like, I mean, I love to, but you know, <laughs> there's a balance. Yeah. Don't listen to me. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know why we started a podcast. Don't listen to anything that I say. Yeah, you should probably just tune out. Now. Yeah, don't don't listen to me at all. Um, no, but that's but yeah. So anyway, the, you know, when it comes to the recording thing, like you were saying, like knowing EQ, knowing you know some things about mastering or compression, like how does compression work? And and um, 
you know, we'll do that another episode where we can dive into this stuff in, in more detail. Hopefully maybe have a, a guest on that is an engineer that can give all the, the math behind it. So um, ultimately learning how to do some stuff like that at home with your home recording um, is going to make you just more aware. Um, it'll make you self-sufficient too, because especially like for those of you who are doing more of a blend of the kind of this modern like lo-fi meets um, electronic like thing where where like sonic fidelity and and hd quality isn't as much a thing as it is about just being able to hear what's going on and then feel the vibe um so you know it, it you don't have to be an expert on this stuff again and at the end of the day if you do some some editing and whatnot it's still not sounding the way you want it to then outsource it yeah but like if you can save some money or some time by doing it yourself you know that's another benefit to learning this. Yeah. And I think communication too, because like just having mm -hmm. like a basic knowledge of totally. stuff, you can tell, even if you do outsource this, you can t tell them what you're looking for, mm -hmm. you know, um, because I've had a lot of experience of a lot of experiences where I didn't have experience and <laughs> I didn't end up getting the product that I wanted because right. I didn't know what to tell them. Oh yeah. And I didn't mm -hmm. know how to stand up for myself too. That's yep. a, that could be a whole other episode <laughs> for sure. But you know, knowing like just because somebody else is like a super expert on it, doesn't mean that they're going to reach your vision. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean like as many albums or EPs or whatever that I've recorded on over the years, like very few times have I really been satisfied with my bass tone. You know, oh my gosh, me too. Very few times. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I am on the same page for and sure. It's just because, yeah, like, you know, somebody may not get, they like a lot of engineers, you know, the reason we call them engineers is because they, they actually know the physics of sound and they know like why this thing works and why this thing doesn't. But just like with music theory, you can get really caught up in that. And, you know, I mean, like there's so many examples of like, okay, take the Beatles revolution. Objectively, the intro guitar tone of, of that tune is fucking horrible. Yeah. But in the mix, it works really well. Now, in this case, I'm, I think like the members of the Beatles and, and, um, uh, George, George, uh, George Harrison. Thank, no, the producer. Um, oh, George Martin. Thank you. God. Yeah. No, you're good. Um, I don't know if he was the one who who suggested the whole like go into the Neve board and crank the game, but if he was, like, I mean, he he had a vision for that and it worked out great. But not everybody's going to have that, so right, you know, um, it's not even necessarily what sounds good by itself, but what sounds good in the mix, right? Um, so yeah, anyway, yeah, and everybody has differing opinions on stuff. Like, okay, here's a great example of a guitar tone that I cannot stand, but it's like one of the most famous songs in the whole world. Mm. Um, in the Rolling Stones Sympathy with the Devil, mm. the guitar solo, it's like so piercing. <laughs> yeah. And I just, I don't, I don't fucking know there. Like, we're, I don't get it. Yeah, right, <laughs> like, right. Like, I love that song. I mean, who doesn't love that? But like, that guitar tone is terrible to me. <laughs> I know that's a hot take, but like. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I mean, you know, yeah. everybody has different. So I guess where I'm going with that point is like back to the know when to stand up for yourself yeah. because what yeah. sounds really good to somebody else may be completely wrong for what you wanted the song to be like. Exactly. So, yeah. And having some knowledge makes it easier to stand up for yourself because yeah. you've got some something behind you. 
For sure. And I think too, like when you're dealing with, with people, right. Having like some music industry knowledge is always great. Totally. Like, cause you, um, you know, as you build relationships with people, there is like a, I don't want to use the word legal, but I mean, legal too, but like an administrative Mm -hmm. aspect to it. Totally. Um, you know, like contracts, um, having a basic knowledge of terms within contracts that you're signing or that you want somebody else to sign. Mm -hmm. Um, I definitely always recommend if you're spending a lot of money on something to make a contract, even if you really trust the person. Right. Um, because deliverables can kind of become an issue as projects get bigger. Yeah, for sure. Um, and especially if you're on a timeline and let me kind of give an example of, of what I'm thinking with this. So um, the last album that I did was crowdfunded mm-hmm. for the marketing, right. right? Crowdfunding, if you guys don't know about it, like most people do, Kickstarter, GoFundMe, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So we use Kickstarter and part of that is you have deliverables to the fans. Who, mm-hmm. So like if you give $100, you get X, Y, and Z, right? right? And mm-hmm. so number one, budget that stuff out considering yeah, the prizes sure. because you can end up spending most of the money you get on prizes. So yeah. like be smart with that. But, um, you know, part of our, our storyline for, or the, you know, deliverable that we were promising was that the album would be done by a certain time. The music mm-hmm. video would be done by this date, just so that the people who gave money knew what, what yeah. you know, what they were, where their that, money was going. Yeah. And that we weren't just like, you know, bullshitting around. Taking their money and blowing it on fucking drugs or something. Yeah, or something. (laughs) So like, as the projects got bigger, right? So music videos, those are like productions, or at least this one was. Like, you had to hire a photographer, they have assistants, you have to find locations, you Mm -hmm. have to coordinate props, or if you have a cool car in the music video, you have to rent that, (laughs) right? You have to get insurance for that. That Mm. was a real, I should have budgeted better for that because I didn't consider the insurance for like a rental. I mean, a lot of people wouldn't think about it. No, one day insurance, but you're definitely going to want it if you're driving like a Lamborghini or something. Like I promise. Yeah. (laughs) Or a 60s, whatever it was, Pontiac (laughs) or something. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So like as the projects get bigger and more people are involved, the their delivery dates can get muddy. Mm-hmm. And then that puts behind, so like if the song isn't finished in time for the music video, and I've already promised the music video and the song's not even finished yet, mm-hmm. now we're like... We got like now, three different it, people that are like... Right, yeah. and now everybody's looking at you because they gave you money to fund yep. the whole thing and you're just sitting there with like your hands, you know, tied yeah. and you just don't know what to do. So like stuff like that. So like contracts, um, knowing like deliverables, terms, like what is a radius clause when you're booking a gig? Because mm-hmm. um, that's super important. <laughs> yeah, it happens all um, the time. Yeah. Too, which is dumb for local bands, but it is what it is. Yeah. And like, you know, there's all kinds of, um, we'll, we'll have a whole episode on like some contractual things, but like, you know, understanding that is really important. Um, understanding when you're writing songs with other people, how you're splitting it, um, understanding how you're, you're getting paid yep. when you distribute your stuff on CD Baby or TuneCore mm, yeah. or DistroKid. 
Like, how is that money actually coming in? And that, that honestly is kind of a muddy situation because <laughs> mm-hmm. like it, international royalty oh, yeah, collection is sure. like a whole thing. It's so weird. Like, yeah. So many countries, everybody does it differently. Mm-hmm. There's tons of money that gets lost every single year. Every day. Yeah, just because sure. like nobody's talking to everybody. Communication's mm-hmm. terrible. So yeah. But understanding like how you're getting paid, understanding that kind of stuff is like super important. Yeah, it is. Understanding, should I get a lawyer for this? Which the answer, usually if you can afford one, probably. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, understanding is this situation bad enough where I would need a lawyer or or significant enough to spend $300 an hour? Yeah, right. Like, or $5,000 so, retainer or something. Right. Shit, you know? Yeah, yeah, So just having like a basic understanding of that can really make like a huge difference Massive. in your um, financial prosperity. Yeah. And and I, I would like to note too that not knowing this stuff doesn't mean you're going to be completely fucking screwed. But it, uh, what what I think it means is, at least for me, in my experience, is that that you can save a lot of time, energy, and frustration by knowing this stuff. Because if I if I had known more of this stuff and how it worked like years ago, like I would have not, you know, maybe stayed around in bullshit situations as long as I did, you know, because I could have maybe just had that clearer picture. And, and, and you know, obviously that's also just kind of an individual thing, like being able to read situations, knowing the people you're around, knowing how things work in the real world, quote unquote. But um, yeah, it's not just like a cover your ass. I mean, that's a big part of it. That's probably the biggest part of it, but it's not just about that. Sometimes it's just about like saving time and energy and, and emotional <laughs> headspace, yeah. you know, general quality of life. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect <laughs> way to put it. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, for sure. And I would say too, for like musicians that, um, play shows or even with like content creation and stuff, it's really important to like be well-rounded with that too so like knowing how to design posters for shows Mm. Um, because the poster situation like in my experience if the venue designs it a lot of times it kind of can look crappy because like they don't they they probably it's probably like the owner or something yeah like the bar that's Mm. designing the poster so everything's like you know, like your image is just like a square. <laughs> like, you know, there's yeah. not a lot of like design qualities. So, or like, just the vibe can be off. Like, yeah, th- for it can sure. be well designed, but like if somebody made a poster for us that was like, like looked like a death metal poster with like that, like, like stick writing where it looks like it's just a pile of sticks right. thrown on the ground. Yeah, like, for sure. And that would just be like, so wrong. <laughs> yeah. Or like something. And, you know, I know that they just are trying to get their sponsorship mm-hmm. licenses covered. But like always there's like your picture is like tiny. And then like the Budweiser logo at the bottom it's is nuts. like taking up the whole poster. <laughs> totally, totally. And I'm just like, well, this looks like shit, guys. <laughs> like, come on. So like if... <laughs> If you can like design a poster and it's really like some of the programs that I use for that are like Canva Mm -hmm. uh, and Canva is like, and some people talk shit about Canva because it kind of like a lot of their templates do look kind of like generic. Yeah, but you can upload it whatever you want. Exactly. That's my thing. It's like, it just makes it so easy to just do whatever. Mm -hmm. Like very rarely have I ever like literally followed a template. Mm-hmm. I will add so much to the template that it doesn't even look like the same thing. At yeah, the end. totally. But like 
it gives me an idea. And trust me, like I, I am not a design person. Like I always tell people like, my ha- like my decorating skills are shit. Like I always <laughs> tell people like in my house and I'm like, they're like, what is like, what is your theme? What are you going for? I'm like, well, my general theme is these are things that I like. So like <laughs> that's a wide range of things. Yeah. And they're, you know, it's eclectic. So like I'm I haven't, not- I haven't seen your decorating yet, but I feel like it's better than you're giving yourself credit for. It's not. No. I bet I would like the aesthetic though. Probably, but it's not yeah. great. <laughs> I guess yeah. that doesn't say much about my decorating skills. I mean, <laughs> no, I mean look like, around. <laughs> no, but like literally, like every time I've moved, I've like decorated stuff how I want. And then mm. like everybody comes in behind me and like fixes it. So, <laughs> so like I have my studio space is, is how I want it. So. Well, that's the most important thing. Right. So like, fuck them. <laughs> So, but basically where I'm going with this is like, I don't have an eye for design. So like Canva makes it super easy to mm. like get throw stuff together. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean the, um, the, the logo, uh, album cover art, whatever you want to call it, cover art, I guess that we use for our podcast. It was designed on Canva. Yeah. Our intro like video was designed was, on Canva. Was yeah. Canva. So like, yeah, I use Canva for all kinds of shit. So like, I really like it. I never could figure out Photoshop. I have it on my computer and like that should definitely be a thing that I do next. Um, well, but if you have it for sure. <laughs> I know. I do have it. Like I just haven't. Yeah. <laughs> it's just confusing looking to me and I yeah. just haven't taken it on because I'm scared. <laughs> so well, I, I use Be Funky, which is another like website kind of like Canva. But it makes it, you know, like, su- like literally it's just that like you upload a picture and you can just click like remove background and like mm-hmm. it removes the background for you. Yeah. That's the that's the kind of stuff that I that's do. That's huge. Like yeah. I don't want to have to go in and like. Erase just, it out. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. no, because then it just looks bad and I don't know what I'm doing. So well, it's like time consuming. Yeah. Be Funky is another good one for like video editing. I use Final Cut Pro, but you use something different. I use DaVinci, yeah, which is um, free um, and very similar, in my opinion, very similar to Premiere Pro. So if you've ever used that before, it's it's kind of the same vibe, um, which is also, you know, uh, Adobe, mm-hmm. um, just like Photoshop is. But uh, yeah, DaVinci's been great. Um, we use it for for editing. Um, when I do the the video edits for the podcast, I use DaVinci. When Melody does, she uses Final Cut. Speaking of, we'll get the the ones we haven't done up soon, guys. <laughs> We've been very busy. We've just had a lot of life shit going on. So, um, anyway, but um, yeah, knowing some video uh, video editing can be really really huge. Um, I mean, there's you know there's actually some really good ones you can get for your phone too. Um, I have one on my phone called um, uh, oh shit, what is it called? Let me see. It's a really good one. Um, I think you can get it for free, but if you want all the good stuff, you, it's like, I don't know, 15 bucks or 20 bucks, but I use it for all my social media stuff. Um, it's called InShot, and, hmm. and the logo looks a lot like the Instagram. Um, okay, logo. yeah, I haven't heard of it. It's it's pretty great. You really? Know, for just like phone videos and stuff. Yeah, it's actually pretty effective. Nice. Yeah, yeah, I want that. Okay, thanks. Yeah, look into it. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, and it, Canva and Be Funky are the same way. Like mm-hmm. you can get free stuff, but if you want like, and another thing really quick while I'm thinking about it that I love about Canva is they have all kinds of, once you buy the full version, mm-hmm. there's like so many like graphics and little mm-hmm. things that you can use that are yep. kind of in-house. It's awesome. Like I, 
I know Canva gets a lot of shit, but I love it. I've I've always thought it was great. I never I never got it because I just wasn't using it for for my own stuff. Um, but yeah. I've used it a couple times now. Yeah, and it's like it's pretty awesome. It is pretty awesome. Um, so. And and this stuff like we're we're talking about all these programs. But the reason with why this is important again is like okay, think about your social media. Like as an artist nowadays, like you have to have a presence online, um, and pictures aren't going to cut it. They're just not. They're not like the thing that people want to see. Most people want to see uh, videos. That's what ke keeps you engaged. You know, it keeps you there for longer. It gets the algorithm working in your favor. Um, so being able to produce video content at a, at a relatively rapid rate is is pretty important. So um, that that's why we're mentioning these these programs. And then again, for like Canva, designing posters and stuff because people often don't get the vision right, or or some people, you know, like just don't have the time. So like you may ask somebody to do it for you and then they just don't get around to it. So it's like, well, you need to know how to do this too in case they can't. So. Yeah. And like, you know, if you're putting on your own show, which I've done a couple of times, but only in like the, like the town I've lived in, like where you basically kind of like rent out the venue yeah, yeah. and like you're responsible for everything. Mm -hmm. You remember that Christmas show? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was that situation. Yeah. So like I had to do, I had to learn how to get sponsorships mm -hmm. I had to learn because we did a charity drive. It was like a Christmas show that Hey Dreamer did. We did like a big like charity auction mm. raffle thing. I had to do all of that. I had to. I didn't realize you were in charge of all that stuff. Oh, I, it was I just it, me. The, oh, wow. Yeah, it was just me. Wow. So I designed the poster. I um, did the charity raffle. I hired the bands. I was responsible for collecting the money, paying everybody. Like it was a lot. Yeah, was a I was lot. also the host that night. I was like the MC. Do you remember that? Yeah. Like yeah. I did the raffle. Mm -hmm. I just went on the stage and like, yep. all right, like blah, blah, blah has donated a skincare kit. <laughs> all right, here we go. <laughs> like, I was, you know, I was, yeah. yeah. So doing shows like that, which I mean, I was going to say they can make a lot of money, but I ended up not not making that much money. I probably should have done the ticket price higher for that show, mm. but whatever. Live and learn. Live and right? learn. Yep. So, um, but doing shows like that, you can make more money, right? Cause you're responsible for everything. Yeah. Like you're, you know, you're not just playing for a guarantee. Like I got 100% of everybody that came tickets, but then you also have to be good about the expenses and stuff. Yeah. And yeah, that for sure that, you know, was kind of where I died on that show particularly. But yeah. So like understanding that kind of stuff, um, yeah. that's a great situation of like well-roundedness helped. Yeah, <laughs> so, for sure. So, yeah. Um, and then I would say too, um, uh, like some just other general stuff that helps, like if you know it, mm -hmm car maintenance yeah is sure. a big one yeah um there have been several times in my life well i've always driven piece of shit cars so we'll put it <laughs> let me just let me just fair warning let preface that a little bit okay but um like when we've been on tour or like when we've been out of town or even in town and stuff just happens with cars yeah, like they're just sure. not perfect machines right so like having a basic knowledge of like how to solve the problems or at least know like troubleshooting like oh this happened this must have gone wrong because um, mm -hmm. that can uh expedite 
right? Right. Even if you can't fix it, it can expedite the problem solving yep. fixing part. Exactly. Which can be huge when you're trying to get to the next city yep. in the next day. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah, like a uh, funny example of that that just happened like a couple months ago. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. We went to Birmingham, Alabama, which is out of town for us. And um, we were staying in Gadsden, Alabama. We drove all night to get there. We were tired when we got there. It was like late mm -hmm. and shit. And I was trying to park this van. And like literally I was just turning into a parking space, but I turned the wheel all the way and all of a sudden there was like this weird like noise and like Pop, yep. my power steering just went completely out. Yep. And then I didn't know, because I didn't know that when the power steering went out, the brake also went out yeah. because of the way that this fan's power steering pump was designed. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that was really, that, was scary. <laughs> that sucked. Yeah, And we had a show the next day in Birmingham, which is like an hour, an hour away, right? yeah. from where we were staying. And like, I had to get it fixed like that night. Thankfully, <laughs> this was this like crazy lucky situation. Yeah. The people that we were staying with, their uh, son, brother was a mechanic. Mm -hmm. And so he was able to get it done that day, which literally never happens. No. Yeah. <laughs> that was such a stroke of luck for yeah. sure. I mean, our, our van broke in their driveway. Right. Like, we were backing up into spaces. I mean, if it had happened five minutes before that, like we may not be here having this conversation <laughs> right. right now. <laughs> right. Yeah. It was, yeah. Craziness. But uh, I mean, that's an extreme situation because I couldn't just fix it. Right. But there have been plenty of times like even basic stuff, knowing how to change a tire, knowing how to fix a headlight. That one's really important for our musician friends out there that do drugs, because that is an easy way to get pulled over for no fucking reason. Learn how to change your That's headlights hilarious. and your brake lights. Also, don't drive when you're on drugs. <laughs> Let's say well, that I was, first. I was assuming that they weren't on them, but if you have them. I know. Yeah. Yeah. I just throw that out there. If you um, got a bunch of weed in your car, you guys figure out how to change your damn headlights. Yeah, for sure. For <laughs> sure. That's what I'm going for. And check there. your headlights all the time. Yeah. Right. And yeah, we'll do a whole like touring best practices oh thing, yeah because there's sure. so many so much shit. <laughs> so much shit you just never think about speaking of another one that's mm -hmm. also helpful um is having some culinary skills um nothing crazy but if you just know some of the basics like how to you know um how to make a soup or how to make you know um a stir fry or something like that what ingredients go well with each other and you know i mean probably a lot of people listening just dabble in a little cooking at home just because, you know, it saves you money. And it's for a lot of people it's fun. Like for me, it's my next favorite thing after music. I think it's kind of the same case for you, right? Yeah. I do enjoy food. I love food. Yeah. <laughs> and cooking it is so fun. Um, so, uh, just knowing, cause like sometimes, you know, I've, I've been on a tour where we've had like a day or two off and we're staying at, uh, an Airbnb or something. So there's a kitchen there. Um, and I mean, if we just decided to eat, uh, eat at a, out at a restaurant or order out or whatever, like we could have been spending 50, 60 bucks a day right? Um, for like three people. But instead, um, you know, you could cook up a pasta that costs you like $15 in ingredients and you have leftovers for like a day or two and maybe even more. So just stuff like that can, can cut your costs significantly. I'm telling you, like, I mean, just think about, you know, if you were to eat two meals a day, 
that you got at a restaurant and, you know, let's say fast food or quick service. So anywhere from like seven to $15 for a meal, multiply that by two. So let's just say 30 bucks. Um, and then multiply that by four, you know, let's say you're a four piece band. So now you've got, what is that? $120 right. in food for one fucking day. That's crazy. Um, so yeah, learn how to cook guys. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't, you don't have to be an expert, but basic shit. Yeah. Well, and there's ass. like a health aspect to it too. Also Cause that. it's really easy. Like when you're like traveling all the time to just like eat super unhealthy, yep. you know, like McDonald's is easy and it's open all the time. Taco Bell is open late. And so you get done with the show and it's right there mm-hmm. and you don't have to cook it and it's, you know, cheapish. Yep. So like everybody just, and I don't even mean in like a weight gain thing, like besides that, you just start to get tired. Yeah, and like, you really do. You yeah. just start to get, you know, um, your just overall health is affected. By- you'd, you'd be amazed by how, how bad a, a case of, of diarrhea can ruin your fucking day when you're in a van. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. And then you may not get to the show on time. You're stopping at every exit. Right. right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, just, st- you know, general health, like, cooking you can pick which ingredients you put into stuff Mm -hmm. so you're not just eating chemicals and like shit all the time yeah so um huge there's that too so financial and health uh aspects to the cooking skill um okay and then also i would say too just like having like a general knowledge of like basic computer skills Mm -hmm. and this sounds super like well who doesn't know how to do that but like file management yeah. Like name your files where you can find them easily. Mm-hmm. Like back up everything. Yeah. Have backups for your backups. And I'm still working on this one for myself because it's really easy to just like, oh, it's on my hard drive. Like it's mm-hmm. fine. But then when your hard drive goes bad, you're like, oh, it's shit. not fine. <laughs> no. So like, you know, I'm working on this one. But 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 yeah, like, I mean, even so a, a really big example where this can be important, I think, is um when you're like when you're doing home recording and you need to send off files to people, mm-hmm. you want to not only make sure you know where to find them, but you want them to be labeled w- with enough clarity. Like, like for example, when I record bass for people at home, I always th- send a minimum of, of, of three audio files for one take. So I'm getting a direct signal from my bass. I'm also getting a mic on a cab. And then I also tend to get a direct from my amp as well. So I can, um, if I'm using effects, um, like a synth or or like some other kind of weird shit. Like you get the full low end um, characteristic, like full EQ characteristic versus just like a cab where you're kind of limited. Um, so if I don't label those properly, they're going to be like, well, which one am I using? And and which ones should I cut out here and there? And, and you know, so right. that, that kind of thing can be really important. Um, and like you said, just like being organized in your own computer saves you so much time and energy and and I would say too huge. one thing that really uh with the file naming one thing that it seems so simple but I for me it's been really important is instead of putting spaces in your file names always do like an underscore or yeah, something or like dash, that yeah because a lot of computer programs when you send files to each other the the space will become like a percent sign or some bullshit. Yeah. So yeah, like yeah. you get all these files and everything's like di percent bad percent and yeah. I'm just it's just stupid. So yeah. just like stuff like that like kind of coming up with your own best practices for file management and storage and the storage one I was going to say too that's a big one because um if you're a uh, 
again, home recording, like most of you are probably not going to be working on the top tier fucking hardware. Like you're going to have like, you know, maybe a, an affordable laptop, right? So um, knowing how to store files and how to save CPU, because like using a DAW is going to use a lot, a lot of, of processing. So, um, and, and also knowing like, um, like when I uh, got my laptop to do work on the go, um, I was reading up online about like, okay, you know, what do I need to have in order to, to make the recording as, as effective as possible? And like, it was something like, you know, make sure you have like 16 gigs of RAM and, um, you know, no less than 3.2 gigahertz of, of processing and all this stuff. And I don't really know what that means, to be honest. Like, I kind of know, but I don't really know. But I'll tell you what, it made a huge fucking difference. That's for sure. Because <laughs> I've worked on laptops that had lower than three gigahertz and, and only eight gigs of RAM and those were crawling I mean, they could barely keep up. So just small things like that will make your workflow um, a lot more efficient, especially also for video editing. Like, oh my God, the amount of processing and the amount of like dead, like cache files that you have just floating around your computer, like knowing where to find those. We were literally just talking about this because you have probably a shit ton of cache files from video editing. Yeah. Cause every time I've edited a uh podcast video because they're like an hour long usually mm -hmm. like it takes like two days for it to like buffer mm -hmm. <laughs> and process and it's I'm just crazy. like why is this I was like this isn't how it's supposed to be guys right. <laughs> like so yeah that one is huge um but yeah I mean basically the idea is like just like try to be a well-rounded person yeah <laughs> like, mm -hmm. and yeah. then that will carry over into your career as a musician and your musical excellence yeah um we've probably said this before but another just quick minor thing it's also just like simple instrument maintenance and, and we're definitely going to do an episode like diving into that maybe have like dylan or gavin on talking about that because you have some luthier experience yeah. too you know so you know if you <laughs> this is going to sound funny if you always get your strings changed at guitar center or something like that Bro, come and on. And then it breaks at a gig. Bro. <laughs> You're going to be like, where's my guitar center technician? Yeah, like not to be mean, but if you don't know how to change your own strings, like get on that shit, like for real. It's yeah, like not I, knowing how to change a tire. Like, I would say that that, you know, it's super important. And, but I don't want to shame people that don't know yet. I'm not yet. shaming. I'm not shaming. You were shaming. A little bit. Yeah, you were totally <laughs> shaming. You were like, dude. Well, <laughs> Look, I mean, it's just... <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's super important. And I remember, I have a funny story about that really quick. Mm. I remember when I was learning to change guitar strings, it was when we lived with my grandparents for mm -hmm. a minute. Yeah. And my grandma, I don't know if she just was having a bad day, but my grandmother also had like a very harsh way with words. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like she just would like, she was kind of like in her, she didn't look like this or like talk like this or anything, but she's kind of like Dorothy from Golden Girls. She would just like savage. She would just like weigh you out for like no reason. Just verbally destroy and, you. Yeah. And so I had like messed up like three sets of guitar strings and I was frustrated. So mm -hmm. I went downstairs and I was like, you know, like pouting. And mm -hmm. she was like, what's wrong? And I was like, oh, I just wasted three packs of guitar strings trying to figure out how to restring. I was like, because usually my brother always did it. And blah, blah, blah. she's like, yeah, if you can't really figure that out pretty quickly, I think you should probably give it up. The whole Damn. instrument. Damn. And I, and I was just like. Wrecked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Oh my grandma hurt my feelings, man. Wrecked, so, dude. Yeah. Absolutely so wrecked. So grandma would agree with you. It's really important to know how to change your guitar Look, strings. All I'm saying is I can't tell you how many times a bass student has come in and their fucking string is is just like it's not in the little hole of the tuning peg. It's just through that little slit. And it's just like that string is slipping every time you play that thing and it's gonna sound like shit. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, we'll anyway. do a whole episode on that, but yeah. that is super important <laughs> to know for, for sure. sure. Yeah. Because I have a lot of funny, like, oops stories regarding mm-hmm. that topic. So. Same, same. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've fucked that up. Not changing strings, but like other shit, electronic soldering that. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> same. Um, well, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Um, thank you so much for listening to Sex, Drugs, and Disappointment. If you did enjoy this episode, don't forget to leave us a review and connect with us more on Instagram and TikTok at SDD Podcast. Each episode is also available in video format on YouTube. Pending. And don't forget. (laughs) Have fun. Don't do too much. And it's gonna happen. No. (laughs) (laughs) 